The following program is brought to you by Gallant Media Enterprises. Welcome. It's a wonderful Friday afternoon, and you are listening to Abundance, Abundance Now, Now with Maria M. Lopez. Maria is a certified public accountant, financial advisor, and public speaker. She specializes in advising her clients in their personal business and finances so that they can achieve the financial lifestyle of their dreams. Her mission is to empower others by providing them with the financial tools and education necessary for them to create their own finances. Here is your host, Maria M. Lopez. Hello, South Florida. Welcome to Abundance Now with Maria M. Lopez. How was your week? I know we had some rain on Tuesday in South Florida, and as I was driving in Miami on Tuesday afternoon, I felt as if I was living in another city. I felt as if I was driving through the city of Seattle, Washington, for example which is also a beautiful city. I know we're all different. Some of us like the rain and others prefer the sunshine. I personally love the South Florida weather. I did spend two years living in Chicago and then two years living in Manhattan when I was working with PricewaterhouseCoopers at that time. I love the city of Chicago in New York City. However, I prefer to live in South Florida where we have beautiful sunshine almost every day versus living through three months of snow in the Midwest. During those four years that I spent in Chicago and New York City, I was renting an apartment. I rented basically because I knew my stay in Chicago was only temporary. And then when I moved to New York City, I rented because buying a property in Manhattan was totally out of the question for me. Then in the year 2002, I relocated back to Miami and I continued my professional career with PricewaterhouseCoopers, and then later on, I joined Ernst & Young. Today, I own real estate properties in South Florida. I believe in building wealth by investing in multiple types of financial assets. Real estate clearly is a financial asset, and I know many financial advisors and successful real estate personalities do make a distinction between owning a personal real estate home and owning real estate properties as an investment. It is clear that when we own a property as an investment, the tenant is the one that, as they pay the monthly rent, they are the ones paying for that mortgage on the property, if you have a mortgage on the property. When I buy a personal home, I am the one paying for that mortgage. We have talked before on this radio show about the power of leverage which is, in this case, using other people's money to purchase financial assets or make certain investments when you expect or plan for a return on your investment. Buying real estate in America when you don't own 100% of the cash to make that purchase, such purchase is still accessible to you and to me when we walk into a financial institution like a bank, for example, and fill out a mortgage application. A couple of months ago, my mother and her friend were having a conversation about home ownership. My mother's friend said that she was contemplating selling her home, taking any gain from the sale, and start renting another property as a place for her and her family to live in. I want to share with you that my mother is also an accountant, so she's very familiar as well with finances and investing. My mother shared with her friend and asked her friend, aren't you going to spend about the same amount of money paying the monthly rent to someone else for a property that you will never own? 
Let's take this example a little further. My mother's friend is considering paying rent to another person for a property that she will never own and further that she will never be able to transfer such real estate property to her children. The American dream is home ownership. There are other countries in the world where home ownership is viewed differently. But for all of us living in America, home ownership is affordable, it is accessible, and it is so doable for all of us. Plus, it is a way to start to create wealth. Why do I say that? Because once you own your personal home and you learn quickly how easy it is to manage the maintenance of the home and pay for the real estate taxes and the homeowner's insurance, then most likely you will want to invest in other real estate properties that you can lease to tenants. And then again, it is the tenant that will pay for that mortgage payment on that real estate investment property. Of course, one has to save the money for the annual real estate taxes and the homeowner's insurance for your personal home. My recommendation is that you put aside a certain amount of money on a monthly basis into a separate bank account so that you have the funds available at year end or whenever during the year to pay for the property taxes and for the homeowner's insurance as well. Abundance Now with Maria M. Lopez is a weekly radio show that I have designed to inspire you to take action in creating the financial lifestyle of your dreams. And every week I share with you the expertise of a guest speaker in personal financial planning, business consulting, personal development, and in mindset around money and finances so that you have access to the information that our guest speakers share with us. And then it is up to every one of us to do our homework further and take the steps necessary to create our financial plan. I welcome you and I invite you to call me at 305-697-9730 or email me at maria.lopez at cpa.com for a 30-minute complimentary session to discuss any financial topic you have in mind and more specifically, the financial topic we're going to be discussing today, which is home ownership. Before I introduce my two wonderful guest speakers of today, I want to remind you about my meetup event for the month of August at Tea and Poets in Sunset Place that is located in South Miami. The meetup will take place on Tuesday, August 22nd at 7 p.m. On that evening, I will host my personal financial planning meetup having my guest speaker, Rosemary Guilfoyle, who is a full-time agent, insurance agent at New York Life and we will be exploring and sharing with you about the different types of life insurance policies, and most importantly, why you and your family should invest in life insurance. You can register or sign up for my meetup at meetup.com, and then search for the name of the meetup, which is by Maria Lopez Financial Abundance, and RSVP that you will be attending. Today, I have the pleasure of introducing two dynamic professionals that have specialized in the real estate industry and the financial services industry. I have the pleasure of introducing to you Vanessa Hernandez, who is a realtor with Related ISG International. She studied mass communication at New York University before graduating summa cum laude from Florida International University with a degree in psychology. Vanessa is a member of the National Association of Realtors and has been ranked in the top 20 
of sales volume at her firm for the years 2015, 2016, and 2017 as well. My second guest speaker is Peter Rippich. Peter has been in the real estate industry for over 15 years. Peter puts his industry knowledge, educational background, and love for the real estate industry to work for his clients. Peter guides his clients in the loan decision-making process to include residential VA, FHA, conventional and commercial loans, as well as assisting with the financial process of obtaining a loan. Peter, a Desert Storm combat veteran, served in the U.S. Army for over 17 years and obtained the rank of major. Welcome, Vanessa and Peter, to Abundance Now with Maria M. Lopez. Hi, Maria. How are you? Thank you for having me. Maria, pleasure to be here. Look forward to chatting with the both of you today. Awesome. Thank you, guys. We're going to have lots of fun today. Peter, before we start, I want to acknowledge you and thank you for your service in the U.S. Army. I thank you so very much because it is because of you and other members of the armed forces, the Marines, and every man and woman in uniform that we in America enjoy the freedom that we so enjoy today. So thank you, Peter. You're welcome, Maria. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's do this. Who wants to learn the best practices for owning a home in America? Owning a home and buying real estate properties, properties that is, as investment properties is not something that is accessible to only a few in America. God bless America. Thank God we live in this country. If this is something that you want to do, you can do so. Vanessa. Please share with our listeners what is the first and second thing that one should do to prepare oneself to make their first time home purchase. Where should someone start? Can you give us two or three basic steps for starting? Yes, absolutely. Um, I think that definitely the very first step is to make sure that you are saving money. Mm-hmm. Um, also, make sure that your credit is on the up and up. You might want to um, you know, maybe subscribe to a credit sort of a credit monitoring system or something to make sure that Mm -hmm. your um, credit is up to par and also you want to make sure that you your debts you know you're not accruing too much debt Um, because the first step in home buying um, as peter can tell you is getting pre-approved for a mortgage understand clearly so yes i do want to make sure that i live i identify the beautiful house that i want to live in the neighborhood, the schooling system, if I have kids, children, but you're saying the finances are so critical, it's like number one thing to take care of. Absolutely, because a lot of us have um, ideas in our head of what we can afford or, or what's mm-hmm. out there, but we w- you don't really know that until you have done the pre-approval process with a lender. Beautiful, Vanessa. Exactly, and Vanessa, what we always say, or we use the analogy, mm-hmm. you wanna know your credit limit. It's kinda like before right. you go shopping, you wanna know how much you can spend before you go into Nordstrom's. Can you Beautiful. spend 500 or $1,000? So same thing here in the uh, house buying process. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Got it, okay, mm-hmm. thank you both. I remember when my mother and I made our first home purchase in Miami. The year was 1996. I had already graduated from Florida International University and I had a full-time job in public in a public accounting firm. I remember I called the realtor company, and I'm not going to uh, they're still out there, very <laughs> successful, but I'm not going to give free promotion here. But they're very good realtor company, and I told them we're looking to purchase a home as a first-time home buyers. I also knew the neighborhood where I wanted to live. I was ambitious. I picked the neighborhood that I really liked, and I'm like, 
I, I don't care. I know the house doesn't look so beautiful. I'm like, we're just going to give it a shot. And I told the realtor and she looked at me and she said, uh, Maria, I will look into it, but I don't promise you anything. I said, don't worry, you just look into it. And so I provided that information to the realtor. My mother and I had saved $5,000 for the down payment and we were planning to apply for a mortgage. I also remember going to a local bookstore to look for books or anything, basically manuals, whatever, that could provide me with the guidance in everything we needed to know to make our first time home purchase from beginning to end. I remember reading the book from beginning to end. Vanessa, clearly times have changed. Today we have access to so much information on the internet. There are many real estate websites and the number of realtors has grown in South Florida since 1996. I also know that there's a lot of new construction that has taken place over the years. Can you tell us a little bit about the different options of properties? For example, there are residential homes, townhomes, apartments, condominiums, etc. What would you recommend to our listeners? What should they consider when deciding which type of property they want to purchase and live in? Um, well, that's another reason why you want to get pre-approved first because mm. Um, certain down payment, depending on what your down payment is, determines what kind of home you can buy. Okay. Typically, it is less expensive um, f out in the beginning but as in a down payment. It's less money, less down, less money down right. on a single family home or on a fee simple townhome or villa. Fee simple townhome or villa refers to a townhome or villa that's not inside of a condo association. Mm. The most expensive type of property to purchase forthright, meaning down payment, is a condo. Gotcha, okay. Those require the highest, the higher down payments. Beautiful, and what about things like, for example, lifestyle, Vanessa? For example, I like the townhomes that are out there. But do I want to go up and down the stairs every day, 15 days, you know, 15 times a day? <laughs> <laughs> Some people love that. I personally don't like that. I want also a patio, a backyard. Uh -huh. So does the things like that, features like that do matter, right? Depending on the taste uh, of the person. Obviously, it has to do with your lifestyle and uh, maybe mm -hmm. a, like an older person doesn't want to go up and That's down right. stairs. Or maybe you have a pet and you want some sort of backyard. Yes. Um, or gardening that you enjoy. Right. I mean, there's other options. You don't have to get a single family home. But but single family home, mm -hmm. if it's if it's in if you're able to afford a single family home in terms of down payment and um, credit uh, loan amount, then you know obviously that's your best option. However, there are other options for you. Got it. Right, and that's the beauty I would say about living in Miami, mm -hmm. South Florida. We have such great areas. You know, mm -hmm. you have the beach. You know, people. A lot of people like to go to the beach, obviously, but not everybody wants to live out on South Beach. Right. With, with the flooding and everything else that goes on there, so you have the condos on the beach. You have downtown. You have Brickell area. You have South Miami, and then further out west, Doral. And as Vanessa knows, you know, some of these areas are up and coming and growing, very popular mm -hmm. areas. Beautiful. That's right. That's right. So that, that's great, Peter. Let's talk about location, location, location. I would like to mm -hmm. hear from both of you, Vanessa and Peter, on what your thoughts are about location when buying a home, specifically in Miami. Let's not even go to for a lot of the old Palm Beach or Boca Raton, just Miami. What do you think? You know, the one, <clears throat> the one thing I would say about location, when, I, when I'm talking to my clients, I'm more on a financial side. The realtor is the expert on the location. Mm -hmm. where, where, I, where I come in is on the condo. When you're talking about a condo, financing is, like Vanessa just said, financing is a, 
much more difficult option for most people. You have to put 25% down. The financing isn't as easy compared to a single family home. So we have two different options. So that's when I turn it over to the realtor, an expert like Vanessa, and let her figure out the location, what meets that family's budget, what they're looking for, what they're trying to do. Is schools important, location close to work, et cetera? Mm-hmm. What do you thought, Vanessa, about location? Um, I think it has a lot to do with what you can afford. Um, okay. Obviously, you know, I know that your listeners um, encompass a whole array of different economic backgrounds. Some are just starting out in business. Some are already very well established in business. Sure. Um, I've noticed that if, especially for young families that are, you know, middle class, working, young working professionals, mm-hmm. that the more out you go from the center hub of the of the county you're you're able to get more affordable homes with more land and more room mm-hmm. obviously the more centric you go the more expensive it gets and you might not get as much land or home for what you could get further out true for example i'm right now i'm working with a buyer in cutler bay and i'm showing him 3000 square foot homes five bedroom for 375,000 that same house in coral gables would run you over a million dollars i easily. want that house five bedrooms yeah, yeah. it's humongous it must be beautiful beautiful oh Huge. my god on a 9000 square foot lot tons of land for 375,000 dollars so uh, miami is still affordable you just yes. have to be willing to go a little bit further out but Vanessa, what about if my office, my employer has an office in downtown Miami? Well, traffic. <laughs> I mean, let's talk about traffic. <laughs> what do you think? What's happening there? That's a that's a, that's a difficult situation, right? Well, there's For an amazing app now called Waze. <laughs> okay, that gets you everywhere quick. No, but um, kidding aside, listen, at the end of the day, um, just like in most metropolitan areas, you have Mm -hmm. to commute. I'm from New York, where most New Yorkers don't live in Manhattan (laughs) and work in Manhattan. Yes, I know. All right. So um, we're becoming, um, we are, we were, at least a few years ago, the fastest growing metropolis in the United States. We are, um, we have a lot of industry here, a lot of people moving here to work and, and, and the commute is becoming part of the infrastructure and people are having to commute from far away and that's why, you know, the the, the, the city and the county is putting so much money into highways and, that and is roadways true. And, and even public transportation mm-hmm. now. Um, so, you know, unfortunately, the um a con uh, or i mean or you could buy a condo on on in brickler downtown it's right. just that if you're in a family or whatnot or if you have a large dog or if you want your space you know that might not be the most suitable option for you got it okay and vanessa do we know about how many realtors there are about in south florida what would you say is the percentage of realtors also that work full-time in the industry versus part-time um, I do know that there's over 30,000 realtors in the Miami Association of Realtors. Wow. I'm not sure exactly what percentages are full-time mm-hmm. as opposed to part-time, um, but I do urge your listeners to definitely concentrate on working with people that are full-time. Why? Because we run across every day on the field intricacies and little things that happen that unless you they've happened to you, you're not going to know how to handle them. It's not taught in real estate school. True, true. Yeah, you want to you want to go with the specialist. Nothing wrong with someone who's doing it part time, but clearly of course it's, not. so the, no, so no, the no. best advantage of the buyer to go with a specialist, like you said, who spends day in, day out doing the same thing. They build the expertise over the years. 
Exactly. Clearly. And Vanessa, how would I identify the best realtor I can work with? Should I contact, for example, two or three different realtor companies and interview different realtor agents? Do I ask my family and friends for referrals? What exactly exactly do I look for in a realtor when I interview them? Um, well, yes. For, to, for the first part of your question, you should definitely interview two or three different people, mm -hmm. um, and really go with the person that you jive with the most that has that has shown you you know the most professionalism that okay. has shown you their aptitude and their knowledge of the market. Yeah. Um, to the second part of that question, in terms of getting referrals from friends and family, I always say it, and it continues to be so, my best clients are referrals. Okay. Absolutely. Because they're coming from someone that's either worked with you before or knows you personally, knows the way you work, knows your work ethic, mm -hmm. and that person is more, um, almost like more... Um, appreciative yes. than a person that comes off, you know, from like a, a, the internet or something like that. Not that those aren't great clients because I've, I've had wonderful clients that, mm -hmm. that have found me uh, on Zillow or Realtor.com or Facebook even. Um, but there's nothing like the relationship coming from a referral. From a referral. What are your thoughts about that, Peter? I know you specialize in the loan origination and processing part of the uh, purchase of the property, but could you share your recommendations for what are the factors or qualities that you would look for in a realtor to work with? Right. One of the, one of the things you mentioned was family, family and friends. You have to be careful when you go with a friend or family member. You know, a lot of times I'll run into somebody and they'll say, well, my brother's a realtor. Well, you really don't want to mix business with family. You know, mm. you rather turn to a professional like Vanessa, somebody that you know has been Unless in the industry. Unless you're in my family, then you better buy one. Right, and she's got a big family. <laughs> then you better have bought with me. No, I'm just kidding. Exactly. <laughs> but not really. But that's, that's really what you want to do. You don't want to be at Thanksgiving and somebody screws up your deal and the gravy is going flying. So no, no, we don't you, want that. You want to make sure you're working with a professional. Somebody's been in the industry. They know the area. They know what you're looking for. And and they have a good team behind them. I know Vanessa has an excellent team. Uh, maybe she can tell us a little more about that. Yes, yes. yes. Um, I'm very blessed. I do have a team of, of myself plus five other agents under mm -hmm. me that um, are they specialize in, in helping my buyers and, and my renters when I'm not able to um, because I do tend to specialize in, in, in sellers more than buyers myself personally. Okay. Okay. Got it. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you both. Vanessa, if I'm looking to buy a brand new property from a developer mm -hmm. and there's so many new construction out there, which are beautiful, for example, do I still need to work with the realtor or should I just w drive in and walk into the new construction residential area and speak directly with the developer? Is there an advantage to the buyer for working with a realtor in this situation? Of course. I'm going to be very biased and say, of course, you got to take your realtor <laughs> with you. Gotcha. Because it doesn't change your, your pricing or anything like that. They're not going to give you a better deal because you didn't bring a realtor. I mean, that, okay. might, work, that might work with a seller directly, mm -hmm. but not with a developer. Um, another thing, too, is that developers have a lot of hidden fees, quote unquote, that, mm. you know, if you, when you're working with a realtor, they'll be, be able to help you. Um, um, you know, decipher those fees, look into things, and I'm going to tell you another little secret about Tommy. developer sales. And this is this is this is industry secrets that I'm sharing with you today. Uh oh. But most developers <laughs> pay realtors higher commissions 
than a normal sale, right? Mm -hmm. So I know that if I go to Lennar and sell a home, for example, they're going to pay me a 5% commission. Okay. Well, guess what? It is perfectly legal for your realtor to give you a portion of that commission as a credit. Oh. So wouldn't it be smart to say, you know, listen, you're getting paid 5%. It's going to help me bring the price down if you help me out with uh, some of the commission, uh, put it towards my closing costs. And and there's more wiggle room in that sense when it comes to working with a developer. And some of the developers in Miami have amazing um, Mm -hmm. properties and, you know, amazing projects going up, especially if you're if you're someone that likes brand new, new construction, everybody. I mean, I love brand new construction. I like living in places that no one's lived in before. Got it. I love that tip that you just shared with us, Vanessa. So for those of for those of you listening out there, if you're looking into a new construction, there's an advantage, a big advantage to bring a realtor with you. And then now you know that you can ask that realtor to share some of that commission or some whatever word terminology we want to use. So that and also because that realtor will be sort of like representing you and identifying the best uh, way to review the fees and everything that the developer has. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Thank you. Now, Vanessa, when I select a realtor to work with, is he or she working for me, the buyer, or is her responsibility with the seller of the property? Okay. So in, in Florida, we are um, we work in a, in a fiduci- fiduciary capacity called transaction brokerage. Mm-hmm. So we are able to represent both sides of the the both parties the buyer and seller on any deal mm-hmm. as long as we haven't signed a single agent um agency which is where either the buyer or the seller tells us listen you can't you can't be part of you can't be representing the other side of the deal at all you're only responsible for me and you have okay. a complete fiduciary capacity with me okay but most realtors don't work in that manner in florida that's just not the standard the standard is that we're able to represent both seller and buyer it's sort of like a middle person negotiating on be making sure that the whole family, it's like a family, putting a team together, putting it together, putting it together. Mm-hmm. So it benefits both sides. Mm-hmm. When would it be advisable to hire a buyer broker, Vanessa? OK, it is always a great idea. If you are a buyer and you really like your realtor, mm-hmm. sign a buyer agreement with them. OK. Um, now that's not a single agency. That's not where I'm only representing you and I can't represent the seller even though, but if I'm not the listing agent, I'm not representing the seller anyway. Mm-hmm. But I, I do, I sign buyer agreements with my buyers. Okay. It's not the standard. It's not mm-hmm. the industry standard at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but it actually benefits both myself and the buyer. Beautiful. Okay. Now we're going to go on a short commercial break within about two minutes, Vanessa, but I'd like to ask you this question. Would you recommend I make a wish list of everything I want in a home? Would that help me as the buyer and you as a realtor in identifying the right property for me and my family? 100%. That's actually part of my buyer presentation. Mm -hmm. I sit down um, and I ask them, what are their three needs? Mm. and everything else is a want <laughs> and you can't have it all you can right. you can have all your needs but you uh, can't have all your needs and all your wants got it can you share with us two or three needs that we, the most most like, people, people say, say my needs are i have to have a certain amount of bedrooms okay i need to be in a certain location okay i need to have a certain size yard ah, you know, things like that like but patio. then everything else are extras okay and if you're um 
if you're trying to find all your needs and wants, you're you know you're going to probably run yourself haggard as a buyer, right? And and then drive your realtor crazy, of course. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. What about the inside of the property? Are there what what are people looking for in the inside of the property? Though they tell you, uh, I don't know, they like the biggest size tiles or the that's, the kitchen. That's that's um subjective to the buyer. There's buyers yeah. that don't mind doing work, okay. and then there's buyers that want things that are turnkey that are ready to move in. Ready to move in, yeah. and that's it, yeah, every, beautiful. Okay, awesome. All right, we are going to go now on a commercial break, and we will return with our interview of Vanessa Hernandez and Peter Ripich with our discussion of the best practices for first-time home buyers. TFG Worldwide is your business financial solution center. They help your business with financial strategy, tax planning, controllership, and employee benefit services. The best part is that all of these solutions are specifically tailored to help grow your business and increase your profits. All of these under the umbrella of TFG are provided by accredited professionals that have gained experience working for the big four global accounting firms ready to give your business 100%. Call them today at 800-793-9721. Give them a call 800 800-793-9721. Remember, if it's not TFG, it's not meant to be. Call them now. 800-793-9721. We are back in abundance now with Maria M. Lopez. Our topic of discussion for today is on the best practices for first-time home buyers. Before the break, we were discussing that it is a best practice for the buyers of the home to write a wish list of everything they want in their new home. However, it is my personal experience, I often find that when it is the first time we're making a purchase of an item, it is sometimes not easy or practical to write down a list because I may not know exactly everything that is possible or that is available in that item that I'm about to purchase. Let me give you an example. It's like how we choose the college or the university that we attended, right? Because when we were high school students, we had never attended a college or university before. We don't know what are the features or amenities or factors or advantages and disadvantages available to each college and university. So Peter, what can we recommend to our first-time home buyers in learning about the different features in a home, especially now when there's so many beautiful construction and neighborhoods that have intelligent technology, the tiles are getting bigger and more beautiful, and some properties have already built-in terraces in the back of the or front of the house, etc. What can we recommend they do, Peter? Well, it's funny you recommend <coughs> you mention that. Going back to the, the university analogy, mm -hmm. you know, what we need to figure out is what can we afford? It's like going to college. Not everybody mm. can go to Harvard. You know, okay. There's nothing wrong. Obviously, we got great schools around here. You got UM, FSU, UF. Right. If you couldn't afford one of those schools, FIU, if you're local. So there's a lot of factors that go into, you know, choosing a college. Mm -hmm. Well, the same thing with, you know, choosing a home. These things goes to kind of what Vanessa was talking about, needs and wants. What I do is I talk to the buyer and figure out what can they afford? What college can they afford to go to? So before we get into the home buying process and turn it over to the realtor, what I do is get them pre-approved. We look at their taxes, their bank statements, their income. We want to see what kind of house they can afford before we even get into their wants and needs. Once we give them a pre-approval, then we turn it over to the realtor, and that's where Vanessa talks with them about their various needs and wants. Got it. I love it. Thank you. You're, you're clearly right because, 
the last thing we want, and we don't want to go back to whatever happened in 2008, right? Correct. We don't want to be in a situation where I'm buying properties or a property that I cannot afford, clearly. Right. Uh, Vanessa, let's say a couple, of, a couple, uh, a husband and wife meets with you, and they choose you as a realtor. They like you, and they want to work with you. And so when, when, when do you take them to their first showing, and how do you prepare that couple before visiting the first property? What should they look for when visiting the property? Um, well, it it um, well, kind of depends where how I mm -hmm. took on the client. Usually, yes. if it's someone that came in from the internet, mm -hmm. um, I'll I'll do like a light um, gloss over over the phone in terms of pre-approving them over the mm -hmm. phone, um, and then I'll go and meet them because I don't want to force them to go get pre-approved if I don't if I haven't even built rapport with them. Okay. Because they're going to be like, why is this lady, she's a stranger to me. Why is she asking all these financial questions? Mm -hmm. You know, Basically, I just ask them if they have a realtor already. <laughs> gotcha, okay. But let me ask you this. When you, when you ha, like, let's, let's just say you're already going through that process and you already met with them and chatted and with them. And they're pre-approved. And they're pre-approved. And uh, how do you, what kind of conversation do you have with them to prepare them before they walk into the first showing or, or well, start usually I'll properties. schedule a 15 minute call and okay. I'll say, listen, Mr. Buyer, you're, you're, you're approved for, for such amount. Uh -huh. Okay. So let's say we, we come across a buyer that's approved for, um, $275,000. Perfect. They are FHA, which means that they're only putting down three and a half percent. Okay. Um, that tells me right off the bat that they can only buy either a single family home or a townhome fee simple or a townhouse or villa fee simple. Okay. Okay, now, what does that tell you? When someone says, well, I'm only approved up to 275 for a purchase price of 275 mm -hmm. um, and they tell me, but I want to live as close to downtown as possible. I work in downtown. I want to live as close as possible. That Then I start, you know, helping them out. Okay. Um, I will very nicely suggest to them mm -hmm. areas that <laughs> they can afford. Got it. Beautiful. Okay. And then you identify the properties and then you tell them about the properties that they've and been then to I, there. And then I put them on a search. I send them the properties. They they pick out the ones that they want to see. That's right. Because now we have access to the internet. Of it's not course, like 20, yeah. 25 years ago. They can view the properties, the rooms. They can and see everything. everything. They can everything. see the virtual tour. They, some of them have video. Some of them have drones. Okay. Beautiful. Yeah. Awesome. That is clearly an advantage, right? Yes. Yeah. Should we recommend, Vanessa, that the buyers carry, I'm just asking, a, something that I would do a pen and a notepad to take notes of what they liked or did not like about every property or show they visit. Because Absolutely. if you see five of them in one day, how would you remember all Absolutely. the different features, but, right? Um, but one thing about home buying, and, and, I, and anybody mm -hmm. that's bought a home can probably tell you this, mm -hmm. that they knew the moment they saw it. Ah, you're right. I fell in love with one property. And I, I stuck with it. But the unfortunate thing <laughs> is that, but unfortunately nowadays, that same house is the same one that about 10 other people saw and liked. Ah, okay. So what does that mean? That means that this the, isn't, this, this isn't, is a negotiation if you're a first time home buyer uh -huh. right now, or you're buying maybe a with a conventional loan with only 5% down, um, in anywhere from between 250 to about 450, 500, mm -hmm. be ready to come with a strong offer these are Got not it. times to and make a decision quickly soon make enough make a decision quickly make your offer pretty okay because you are competing with other buyers so right now is it a seller's market or a buyer's market it's right a now seller's it's, market. it's a seller's market right now okay beautiful peter how do we know what a first-time home buyer can afford 
Well, again, I, mm-hmm. we go back to the pre-approval process, but yes. a lot of times what we'll tell new new homeowners or anybody really looking to buy a home is to kind of figure out you know, your income. And what I mean by that is a good rule of thumb we use is sometimes three times your annual salary. So mm-hmm. somebody's making $100,000, three times that's 300 grand. So now they're looking at that, uh, you know, that nicer home, you know, mm-hmm. something like uh, Vanessa was talking about with her home down in uh, Coral Springs, that, or excuse me, Palm, Palmetto Bay? Cutler Bay. Cutler, Cutler Bay. Cutler Bay, right. <laughs> You know, so that's 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 a good starting point. You know, okay. then we go into more details when we look in depth into their finances. But that's a good rule of thumb we use: three times your annual salary. Got it. And then could we say how much would it cost to own and maintain a home? It varies, right? Depending on the location, <coughs> yeah, the size. Sh- of course, it sure does. It depends. You know, if you're going from a condo or if you're going to a single-family home, a mm-hmm. lot of these places now have what's called HOA fees. Okay. So de- so depending if you're in a condo, they're going to pay for the pool, they're going to pay for the maintenance, they're going to pay for the yard work. If you own a single family home and you have a pool, either you're going to take care of that yourself, you're going to take care of the maintenance of the grounds, mowing the lawn, mm-hmm. doing that yourself, or you might go ahead and hire somebody to come out every two weeks and mow the lawn, do the landscaping, also have somebody taking care of the pool. So it, it varies depending on what type of property you Peter, have. Peter, isn't the standard, um, it's... Your total payment, principal, interest, taxes, um, mm-hmm. insurance, isn't it like a little bit less than 1% of the purchase price? Isn't that like the industry standard? Yeah, like, you could go with that. I, I ran a couple numbers this morning just to give us an idea. So, for instance, on your you know $375,000 home, you're looking under $3,000 a month for payments. So and it's less than 1%. Exactly. Mm. Exactly. So like and a that, total, all in. Right. That's that's all P-I-T-I. in. Piti. Exactly. You know, we're talking on on that specific example. What we're talking about is homeowners insurance already being included. The the house insurance. You know, so there's a couple little things you can shop for there, and maybe get it a little lower. But mm-hmm. you know, your your loan amount and your interest rate's going to be standard. So yes, for that. You know, and and when you start, and you know this, when you start looking at that, what people are paying for rentals. They could go ahead and buy a house. You know, mm-hmm. we're talking three hundred seventy-five thousand dollars house. That's a beautiful house. Yes. For less than three thousand mm-hmm. dollars. You know, so could you imagine somebody that's spending you know twenty-five hundred dollars renting a two-bedroom place down on Brickle? They could buy a very nice house somewhere somewhere here in Miami. That mm-hmm. is correct. And Vanessa and Peter, what is the role of the realtor in the offer process? How do you how does the buyers decide what to offer for a home? Comparables. Um, okay, yeah. So there's the two factors. The mm-hmm. two, the biggest factors are first and foremost, obviously the comparables. Yes. Um, unfortunately, though, sometimes comparables are all over the place. And um, at the end of the day, there's a saying in my industry that says the uh, the value of a home is what someone is willing to pay for it. Okay. Um, so. And the other factors that come into play is, A, does the realtor have other offers that have come in already? I mm-hmm. mean, in, in that case, then you need to be more competitive or um, how badly do you really want this mm-hmm. home? I never suggest to my clients to go over asking price. I right. mean, I will tell them that's, that is your prerogative. I will support you in whatever offer you want to mm-hmm. put. Um, what I do as a realtor, not only am I, a, uh, I call myself a marketer and a facilitator. I like that. I'm not an advisor because <laughs> I don't want to advise you because right. I'm not a lawyer, but I will tell you, I will facilitate the, pro- I will put the facts out there for you. Okay. And what you choose to do with those facts is really up to you. Okay. Um, listen, uh, Mr. Buyer, there's 
three other offers on this property. Mm -hmm. um, you are coming with an FHA loan. You have the lowest down payment of all the other offers. Mm -hmm. um, I would try to make my offer as pretty as possible, right. meaning the, the highest and best price that you're willing to go. And that's another thing. A lot of buyers will say, well, I just want to I want to offer lower and see if they come up. Well, guess what? <laughs> if they have other offers, they're not going to negotiate with you. They're not even going to take they're not even going to look at your offer. They're going to negotiate with the highest offer. Got it. So always give your highest and best mm -hmm. if you see that there's other people interested. Um, also, try to shorten in inspection times. Okay. I tell them, hey, I just tell them that you'll do a seven-day inspection as opposed to a 15. Uh, shorten gotcha. this closing time if they want to close fast. Do right. what you have to do to make your contract, your offer look as the, the most pretty. The prettiest one. The prettiest one. The, so they can choose. Right. Yeah. And I run into that a lot of times. We'll do a VA loan. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people, VA loan, the veteran ha doesn't have to put any money down. So mm -hmm. all of a sudden, when the offer is presented, they have one offer, a VA loan with zero down, and they have another offer with, say, $5,000 down. So we always do the same thing. We educate them and suggest, go ahead, put some money down. So you're making that offer presentable, the best offer. You know, they right. would rather see something with something down mm -hmm. payment. So it looks like they have some Also, skin there's the a game. lot of sellers that have, um, there's a, a very tab i think there's a bad ta va and fha have gotten a bad rep mm -hmm. and as a seller if i'm representing a seller i always tell them that's not always a bad thing mm -hmm. um yeah you know va has a little bit of a stricter guidelines in terms of the you know inspections and whatnot um and and fha you know or, or yes and no but mm -hmm. at the same time you know um, first of all, there's an emotional aspect. You were a first-time home buyer at one time. Right, you know, yes. Give somebody else the opportunity to buy. Yes. Um, second, another uh, another thing is that with the VA is, is that, um, and it, it is another emotional aspect. Our veterans are coming home. Um, they first and foremost should have a home ready for them more than anybody else, you uh, know, because yes. they're, they're fighting for our freedoms. And um, I think that if you, sometimes business is business, but sometimes you do have to have some sure. sort of emotion put into it, I believe. Okay. Let's let's talk about that a little bit, Vanessa and Peter, emotion, because for first-time home buyers, and even for those who are buying multiple properties, every time you buy a personal home, uh, a lot of the times, I'm sure, emotions play a role into it. I mean, either the wife, oh, the man, the children, whoever, I myself, may fall in love with the property. And what happens when my emotions are so intense because I love the piece of property, Am I willing to pay then $20,000 more than the other offer, right? Mm -hmm. Do you see that happen often? All the time. Got it. I see, I see couples <clears throat> argue. I see. Uh-huh. I actually had a, I had two clients that almost got a divorce, be, oh almost separated when they were <laughs> buying their home. Really? Yeah, because she was just so nervous and so anxious and she was driving him crazy. Got it. Yeah. Okay. We're going to go now in a short commercial break, and then we will return to continue with our interview about Nessa Hernandez and Peter Ripich on the best practices for first-time home buyers. TFG Worldwide is your business financial solution center. They help your business with financial strategy, tax planning, controllership, and employee benefit services. The best part is that all of these solutions are specifically tailored to help grow your business and increase your profits. All of these under the umbrella of TFG are provided by accredited professionals that have gained experience working for the big four global accounting firms, ready to give your business 100%. Call them today at 800-793-9721. Give them a call, 800-793-9721. Remember, if it's not TFG, it's not meant to be. Call them now, 800-793-9721. 
Maria M. Lopez is a Florida-certified public accountant, public speaker in the areas of personal financial planning, and holds a Florida insurance license. Maria is transforming the way South Florida thinks about their finances through her radio show, Abundance Now. Maria Lopez coaches on the areas of personal development and simplifies the complex U.S. financial system, providing the financial education, tools, and techniques for others to create the financial lifestyle of their dreams. Maria's passion is to create a wave of personal financial planning education that lends to a legacy of financial abundance to your children and grandchildren. Contact Maria at 305-697-9730, 305-697-9730 to explore opportunities and invite her to speaking engagements for your organization. Visit Maria's website at buymarialopez.com. We are back on Abundance Now with Maria M. Lopez, and today I'm interviewing Vanessa and Peter, who are sharing with us valuable information for first-time home buyers. Peter, what kind of documentation is necessary from the buyer to provide for a mortgage application? Yeah, it's a great question, Maria. <clears throat> there are three main things we look at. We need to see their taxes, last two years' tax returns. Mm-hmm. Want to look at their last two months of bank statements, and then uh, W-2s, their last couple of uh, pay stubs. That's on a normal, what we call uh, a normal loan. You know, there's other types where people, we can go bank statements only. There's okay. also asset backed. So there's a couple other variations, but the basics is those three items that I mentioned. Okay. And then if I'm a business owner and I'm not a W-2, uh, would you want to look at the tax returns of the business that I own? <clears throat> of course. Yes. Okay. That's what we'd have to take a look at. Beautiful. Peter, how does the buyer ensure they're getting the best loan at the best rate on the best terms? What kind of proactive action can buyers take to ensure that is the case? Well, nowadays with the internet and everything else available 24-7, they can look on there and see what the interest rates are, what the going rate is for a 30-year mortgage, a 15-year mortgage. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you want to build a rapport and a trust with the loan officer that you're working with, you know, and go with a reputable company. Okay. Uh, you know, the days of the old days where people are marking up the loans and doing these origination fees and adding extra fees really have been taken away. For instance, you know, I, I personally, I don't get paid based on the the uh, interest rate. So I'm not adding extra uh, points on the, on the loan. I get paid on the actual loan amount. And also, we do not charge any origination fee. You'll see sometimes when people are getting their loan, there'll be a term in their origination fee. Mm-hmm. That might be a half a percent, 1% more added to the loan. And that's basically, that's an additional commission to the loan originator. Got it. And Peter, what are some of the loan programs first-time home buyers should know about? What's available today? Yeah, there's actually a couple couple different programs out there. The one that everybody's mm-hmm. always asking about, there's a couple uh, what we call grant programs. So for new home buyers, uh, every state has a different program. Obviously, we live here in Florida. So Florida has a new home program where the buyer has to qualify. They have to take an educational series, a course, either online or go there and take this course and get qualified. Once they receive that certificate, then they can apply for this grant. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also a couple programs Right now, we're doing a program where it's a 1% down. We'll pick up the remaining. We'll give that grant as a lender. We'll give that grant 
That's only going to last for about another couple months here. As of November 1st, Freddie Mac is going to no longer do this 1% program. So Mm -hmm. uh, we have a couple more months on that. Freddie Mac wants all the buyers now to put their skin in the game. We don't want to go back through that financial crisis we had earlier. Exactly. Exactly. And let me ask you something else, Peter. Um, What about fixed rate loans, mortgages, and variable rates? Personally, I'll tell you my my own personal experience and opinion. I don't like variable rates. I prefer a fixed rate. But what do you see in the industry happening right now? No, well, the industry right now, interest rates are at all-time lows. They just started creeping Mm -hmm. up, meaning within the last year or so, the Fed funds rate is what all these interest rates are based on. So the Feds have just recently raised rates back in June. We're at now 1.25. They're probably going to raise again possibly in September they're talking about mm-hmm. next year th- and this is all public information next year they're going to raise three more times get us up to about two two and a quarter right uh, and by 2019 they want us to be at three percent what what that means to us as individuals is our credit cards our car payments and eventually our mortgage rates will mm-hmm. will continue to go up so I agree. Right now is a great time to get fixed rates. You know, li- rates are at all time lows. Uh, and a lot of people like a fixed rate because they know it for that reason. It's fixed. They know exactly what their monthly payment right. is going to be. You know, several years ago when interest rates were a little higher, there was a lot of these crazy loans going on. People were doing uh, interest only. And mm-hmm. some of these arms, a five one seven one or maybe a 10 year arm where your interest rate was fixed for five years and then it would blo- balloon after the fifth going into the sixth year. Uh, That's not a very popular option nowadays. We're doing a lot more refinancing now into these lower interest fixed rates. Got it. And Peter, how would you compare? I mean, uh, we don't have to mention names, but um, for a buyer or for anyone out there walking into a commercial bank, whether it's a community bank or a large national commercial bank versus going with a loan originator or broker agency? Right. I think I think the difference always comes down to service and the relationship. Okay. Uh, You know, a lot of times, you know, a a big bank is open from nine to five and Mm -hmm. that's it. You know, as Vanessa will state, you know, there's a lot of times we're working a deal and we're after hours, we're talking about other documents we might need. We might need something from the realtor. We have to talk to the buyer. We might be missing a document, whether it's a tax document, a payroll Mm -hmm. statement, something along that line. So myself. I provide that service where I'm in touch with the client 24-7 if need be to get uh, whatever paperwork. Do you find that there are more restrictions at commercial banks? Exactly. They're they're pretty much cut and dry. You know, if I'll give you a perfect example. If somebody's late on a payment, if they miss the yes. payment, as long as we can paint the picture and show the reason why that person was mm-hmm. late, we have a little more flexibility. A lot of times the bigger banks are pretty much cookie cutter, cut and dry, and it it is what it is. If there's a certain DTI ratio has to be met, they do not have any wiggle room. Got it. Beautiful. Uh, I'd like to ask one last sentence that each of, each one of you, Vanessa and Peter, would like to make us a one recommendation, one or two if you want to, but one best practice recommendation that you would like to provide to our listeners as a first-time home buyer, Vanessa or Peter, whoever would like to go first. Um, I, I think that you um one best practice is to definitely like we already mentioned is um just do your pre-approvals first make sure your stuff is in order because sometimes there are things that you need to fix before you can buy um Mm -hmm. and a lender will help you 
um, get you on the right path to getting to fix whatever you need to fix Got to it. qualify. Right, and I, I would agree. I would say the same thing as the finances. Keep your finances in order. Uh, mm -hmm. You know what credit cards you have. You know, one, one simple thing I would say as far as talking about credit or credit scores is make sure you pay that minimum monthly payment. Okay. You can set that up automatically on your bank. This way you'll never have a late payment, so you will never have a negative adverse Beautiful. effect on your credit. So that's something very simple anybody can do and you know just keep your finances in order yeah with the technology that's available today automatic pigments is like the way to go i want to thank both of you uh, vanessa and peter for your time visiting us today at the radio station to discuss such an interesting and very valuable talk topic owning real estate in america is one way of creating and building wealth in addition let me remind our listeners of the story i share about my mother and her friend at the beginning of today's radio show se segment when my mother simply highlighted the fact to her friend that we either pay rent or pay a mortgage. When we pay rent, which rent for a home in South Florida has generally gone up versus when we pay for a monthly mortgage or loan, we will ultimately own that real estate property if we buy it, which at a later point we can transfer that as wealth to our children or grandchildren. Another point I want to highlight is that you must run the numbers. Let me explain. Please consider meeting with your accountant or simply running the numbers on an Excel spreadsheet template, which there's so many available out there, and there's so many apps available on your iPhones or Samsung, which can basically run uh, the analysis if you obtain a 15 years mortgage versus a 30 years mortgage. I personally prefer 15 year years mortgage, but if you are not able to qualify for a 15 years mortgage, that is okay purchase a 30 years mortgage and then simply refinance that mortgage into a 15 years mortgage in a couple of years or later on when you can afford it and you will save lots of money run the numbers i i run the numbers peter and vanessa one time on a 30 years mortgage and i saw that clearly i was paying twice the value of that house i also i want to invite our listeners to email any comments or questions for vanessa peter or myself at maria.lopez at cpa.com I also invited our listeners to write to me and let me know of any specific business, personal finance, or personal development topics that you would like to hear about on this radio show for next Friday. I invite you to listen to the replay of this interview tomorrow Saturday at 6.30 p.m. Eastern. I wish you all a wonderful evening and a great weekend. Thank you all. TFG Worldwide is your business financial solution center. They help your business with financial strategy, tax planning, controllership, and employee benefit services. The best part is that all of these solutions are specifically tailored to help grow your business and increase your profits. All of these under the umbrella of TFG are provided by accredited professionals that have gained experience working for the big four global accounting firms ready to give your business 100%. Call them today at 800-793-9721. Give them a call 800 800-793-9721. Remember, if it's not TFG, it's not meant to be. Call them now, 800-793-9721. Maria M. Lopez is a Florida certified public accountant, public speaker in the areas of personal financial planning and holds a Florida insurance license. Maria is transforming the way South Florida thinks about their finances through her radio show, Abundance Now. Maria Lopez coaches on the areas of personal development and simplifies the complex U.S. financial system, providing the financial education, tools, and techniques for others to create the financial lifestyle of their dreams. 
Maria's passion is to create a wave of personal financial planning education that lends to a legacy of financial abundance to your children and grandchildren. Contact Maria at 305-697-9730, 305-697-9730 to explore opportunities and invite her to speaking engagements for your organization. Visit Maria's website at buymarialopez.com.